Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music on our podcast show this week, episode 178. My inspiring guest is Melissa T. And our topic is all about online lessons. Melissa has been teaching online lessons and runs a successful online music school. She has great teacher takeaways and a lot of inspiration right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, thank you. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Full Voice Podcast. My friend, wherever you are logging in from, I hope you are having a fabulous day. Whether you're driving in your car, walking your dog, going for a run, cleaning your house, whatever you're doing when you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for choosing the Full Voice Podcast. This episode, I think, is incredibly timely and very helpful. When we are choosing our topics for the podcast, we are looking at what conversations are happening um, between my colleagues online, um, what's happening in our studios, and we try to pull uh, topics that are helpful to teachers. And one of the things that I've seen coming up time and time again is the the questions about online teaching and and being a virtual studio. And I, full disclosure, before the pandemic, I would have told you that that was not for me. I would have been one of those teachers who would have said, nope, I have an uh, in-person studio and I love it. Now, friends, I do love teaching in person. However, uh, my studio is now 100% online, mostly because I moved to another province and currently reside very rural, Nova Scotia. But I have to tell you, online lessons, uh, they're fabulous. And um, I know a lot of teachers out there, maybe you are, you know, looking at... um, Uh, making a change or you want to transition from in-person to an online type of of offering? And that's that's a great question. Like, how do you do it? What do you, is it worth it? Can you make a living, a sustainable living teaching online? Now, I uh, recently had the pleasure of talking to um, Carly uh, Walton, and uh, she was a guest on our podcast talking about online lessons. And I wanted to dive into, I wanted to dive into more specific conversations with, with voice teachers that were running online studios. So I, I uh, was so pleased and it's, it's kind of the way of the world now. I discovered Melissa uh, on Instagram. Uh, she came up in my feed and she has this wonderful, vibrant uh, background of greenery and nice lights in her studio. And she was working with a young singer. And I just thought, how beautiful, how beautiful the way she works with that student. And um, so we started following each other and, and we would send each other messages. And, and uh, I just really enjoyed uh, watching her and how she worked with her students. Her students, I felt she really held space for them in a beautiful, uh, friendly way. And I knew that I wanted to talk to her. So Melissa's studio is 100% online. And not only does she teach online, but Melissa T Music is her company. And she has teachers 
from around the world who are working for her teaching online lessons. So you're going to have a, you're going to just, there's just so many wonderful takeaways from this conversation. Um, And I asked her all my burning questions about how she works with the little littles because she works with very young singers. So I'm, before I, uh, before I bring her onto the show, I do want to say, please be sure to sign up for the Full Voice VIP Teacher Newsletter. If you are looking for our free resources, if you're looking for new freebies and lots of special little things that we do for our VIP teachers, that's where you find them. You do, and it's free, doesn't cost you anything. So please check out the, uh, go to our website, fullvoicemusic.com. Um, check out the VIP teacher newsletter, sign up, and you will have access to a lot of our great resources and fun exercises and freebies and without any further delay my special guest melissa t welcome 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 to the full voice podcast melissa chin also known as melissa t how are you hello i am well and i'm so excited to be here oh so excited I am thrilled to talk to you. I have so many questions for you. I have a wonderful, uh, well, first of all, I want to give my listeners a little bit of a background. So um, you and I became Instagram friends. You were sharing some videos of you working with some really young little singers and having some fantastic fun online lessons with these little singers. And I was just, my heart was exploding. You were sharing such a great space and having so much fun. So we kind of connected online. Um, so we've kind of been following each other for a while, but uh, I, I'm, today we're talking um, about online lessons and working with, with students online. Um, but I would love for you to give everyone just like a little background of how you got started teaching and teaching online. You, you have quite the, quite the story. Wow. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> I have been lurking you and just using all your resources forever. So um, I'm a big, big fan. So when you reached out to me, I told my husband, you would have thought Beyonce called me. I'm like, oh my. look at this. Look at this. <laughs> You know, so I'm really excited. Um, How did I get started? You know, it could be a longer story. I'll make it a medium story. I moved to Baltimore with my family in 2016. Prior to that, I was a mental health clinician. You know, I was doing assessments, working with people with mental health and drug addiction. But I was pregnant with my son, very pregnant with my son, when I was trying to apply for jobs in Baltimore, Maryland, and no one was hiring me. You know, they won't say... I'm not going to hire her because she's pregnant. But um, I really think at one time I fell asleep during an interview like while I was pregnant. During, so oh. I didn't interview well. So I didn't get a job. And um, my <laughs> a neighbor asked if I would teach their daughter piano because she saw we had keyboards, pianos all over the place. And I was like, uh, sure, I don't have a job anyway. So I, I did that and um, it started to grow. And um, people then started asking for voice lessons. And at first... I kept declining. I was just like, I don't feel equipped to do this. Um, but as I was telling you before, I went online, looked things up. I was going to the library 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. every morning. I was just reading, reading, soaking it all in, going on YouTube University, you know, getting all the <laughs> things until I had enough confidence. And then one day on Google, your resources came up. 
There were like some free warm up exercises. They were just so cute and fun. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. And then after buying all your things, I was like, you know what? I'm ready. <laughs> I like to over prepare like that. And um, so I started giving some pian- some voice lessons, but my main thing was piano. But then uh, COVID hit, mm. right? And everything had to shift. And so I, while I was giving in person before, I was like, we've got to figure this out. So I started doing online piano and voice. And I found myself like, I like teaching voice even more, maybe more than piano. And um, I was like, I want to make this a high quality experience. Because at first I was just like, you know, on my laptop or, you know, someone's on their phone on FaceTime and it was okay. But I was like, I really want to make this a good experience. Mm -hmm. So people who, um, I'm from Philadelphia. So people who were living further away were like, wait a minute, you're giving virtual lessons now? I'm sending my kid, I'm sending my kid, I'm sending my kid. And it (laughs) spread. And I was like, whoa, okay, people like this. There was a wait list. I had to hire more teachers, and I was teaching my teachers how to provide high-quality virtual lessons, and then here we are today. I have one of my inspirations asking me to be on their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I love that you bring that up, is, is that once people found out that you were teaching online, they were reaching out. Uh, there, there's always this worry because, you know, many of us started teaching online um, because of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. a lot of teachers were like, oh, we'll just do this until we can go back to in-person. But now we've got an entire industry where people are choosing to stay online. Yeah. My studio is now completely online. And mm-hmm. and I love that what you said about, yeah, we just started and we were in survival mode, but now I'm going to level up. Can I ask... Mm-hmm. What is your what is your gear setup, and and then what do you ask your students to have on their end? Right. So as a teacher, um, I have two webcams. Okay. So one is to get my face, so you have that profile, and then another, which is on a stand that can bend, is over the piano, mm. um, and that way they can see both. Um, and then my forward-facing camera has a stand, so I can adjust if we're standing up for our lesson or if I'm sitting in front of the piano. Mm. Um, what else do we have? So I also have lighting, which is important. Um, you don't want to feel like you're looking at shadows while you're teaching. So yeah. I have... Um, Actually, I'm not using it today, but usually I have maybe one light that kind of looks like sun, so it's a little ahead of uh, above me mm-hmm. and in front of me. And then we have some nice lights because kids love color light, and I have some nice greenery. You want to feel like you're actually entering a space, you know, yeah. it's not just any call. You want to have a nice backdrop, and so I support my teachers with that too. Um, do you need if especially if I interview them and I see it's a little drab, I might mm-hmm. just you know ship them ship them some greenery, um, <laughs> you know something like that. I'm also not looking at a computer. That was really exhausting. So I'm actually looking at a television. Oh wow! And I want I want to say it's about a 50 inch television, maybe 55. But it, it just makes me feel like I'm really here, and I can see how my students are breathing. I can see their posture. I can see their pinky finger keeps lifting up. I can see all of that. It's not on a small screen, but it's on a a big screen there. We just use HDMI cord to connect to the laptop. Zoom supports that. 
I love that. Now, for my listeners, this is not an, uh, a video podcast, but it's true. Melissa has this, and that was one of the things that I saw immediately when I was when I found you on Instagram. You've got these beautiful lights and this greenery behind you. You've got a neon sign that says "Good Vibes." Like it is a <laughs> yeah. wonderful little space that you've created, and and I have to say it was really inspiring because. I think I looked at your videos and then I kind of looked around my room and I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, maybe I need to fancy things up a little bit. Just some I, color. I love what you said about the TV because I know for me that was where a lot of my burnout came when the pandemic first started and it was all online, plus I was working online all day, it was looking at that small laptop screen that was so difficult. And I love what you said about the getting a larger screen. Yes, it was real fatigue. I mean, you've, you're hunching over, your oh. posture's poor. You're looking down, I can't see. I got to put my glasses on, you mm -hmm. know. This is, I, at first I felt like, is this a little too much? And I realized like, no, this is necessary if we're going to do this long term, for mm. sure. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you expect your students to have on their side of the call? How do you get them set up? So there's only a few requirements for them because I, you know, I realize everyone doesn't have the same resources and accessibility. They need to have Wi-Fi. They need to have lighting and something to hold their device. Some children are using a laptop. Some children are using tablets. Some are using, and I say children, but actually I have adult and children, um, students. But they need something to hold it up with. And at first, I was very lax with it. But the quality of the lessons slowly decreased the less you address it in the first lesson. So our first lesson, we go to Zoom sound settings. And you want to take off all the sound filters or you won't be able to hear them humming when they're doing their warm-ups. You won't be able to hear anything above like a C5. Like it's very filtered that way. And I prefer that the light is in front of them instead of behind them because they turn into shadows. So um, I really want to be able to connect and see them. And um, some students have had especially difficult times because they may only have a cell phone. And I value a quality lesson so much. I have Amazoned the parent a cell phone stand because um, I'm going to be dizzy if they're holding the phone and, you know, you know, and they'll hold it the whole lesson and they're never learning posture, which is something we look past so much. So um, it, I value that. And now I even um, parents ask now because they see me on Instagram, what do we need? That's just on the list. It needs you need a music stand. You need something to hold your device with. I need to see you, and it needs to be in a distraction-free space. <laughs> um, you know, TV. It can't be in the same room that their siblings are in watching television, or you know, right. You know, so I try to keep it simple. We just need a distraction-free, well-lit area, and the device needs to be hands-free. As long as you can take your hands off of it, then we're good. We don't need too much from there. Oh, that's really helpful. I like the uh, I like the recommendation of the hands free. I know with some of my students, if they're on the iPads, 
right? Sometimes the even just the angle of the iPad can make all the difference. And, and you go from having kind of, you see what's going on, to better lighting, to, and mm-hmm. yeah, it makes a big difference. And I had a few students where, you know, the, the iPad would be leaning up. They didn't even have a case for it. So it'd be leaning up against a book and then halfway through the lesson it falls. Slides. And, you yep. know, <laughs> you've, you've experienced that too, I'm sure. Oh, I've seen it all. And so now I'm like, the first lesson I explain is really about preparing the best quality. And Mm. it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. I know people are always wondering if online is still going to be viable after the pandemic is over, but there's just so many successful businesses and Mm -hmm. business owners that are just really providing an incredible service. Uh, Can I ask, oh, I have one more question just in in regards to the um, online lessons. Um, When you're working with families, how do you get parents like on board? How do you keep in touch with parents? How do you communicate with parents? Oh, yeah, that is so important. So recently, the most productive thing that I've been doing is calling them on the <gasps> phone. Yes. You are my, sometimes. You are my, you are, we're twinsies. Yes. <laughs> you have to call them on the phone because something about that email, you know, we, we're getting so many emails. Yeah. But when I talk to them on the phone, they're really bought in at that point. And um, especially during, depends on the age. I forgot to mention that. Sometimes the parents are right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're right there with us. And I really like to connect. I treat them like, I always call them the Melissa T. Music family. And so I I really do. Even if they're not my direct student, I check in. I just say, hey, how was Carter's first day of lessons? Do you have any questions? You know, I really want them to feel like, you know, we're in this together. And it is virtual. And some of this is very new territory, but it's been successful. I have parents who don't want in-person lessons ever. Now they don't have to leave the house another time for another thing that oh that i that is something that uh a lot of families really do appreciate and and i mean we're lucky we only have one kiddo but the amount of driving we do on a weekly basis is something else so yeah having an online lesson and uh, that just makes sense for a lot of families Mm -hmm. yeah Especially when you're being a mom Uber. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, Now, you're working with with children and adults, but I've seen you uh, online working with some rather young singers. And -hmm. and again, that's always going to get my attention because anybody that's welcoming (laughs) little singers into their studios is is a friend of mine. Um, So tell me about tell me about your young singers and and how you work with them. Oh, okay. So prior to the pandemic, I was seeing children about two years old because we were in person and we did a lot of rhythm. We did just a lot of getting used to the scales and just hearing the notes, loving music. But during the pandemic, I was like, "Uh oh, this this isn't going to work. But I had a student, she was three years old and um, her mom was like, believe me, she, she can do this. And I'm like, okay, well, let's give it a try. Let's give it a month and just see how it works, you know. And she did amazing. She got her iPad and she had a stand for her iPad. And we actually used a lot of our full voice resources. We did um, warm-ups and uh, what are they called? What's the word when you do like it's a it's a hard thing. Sally showed a, a tongue twister. Oh, there twisters. we go. <laughs> you know. 
we started with simple things like that and rhythm. And then we we just kind of were like, well, what's your favorite song? And we sang it. And then we worked on maybe singing it in different keys, just seeing, just exploring. But after a while, I was noticing she was really up for the challenge. So wow. now she's five. She's been with lessons for me about a year and a half. And she is sight reading. She can use oh the sofa. She is, and she's fabulous. She's performed in two of our recitals already. And um, I'm just amazed at her ear and what she can do. And I've never met her in person. Ever. Wow. She's fully virtual and is learning music theory. She's learning stage presence. She's doing it all. And it's virtual. And, and it's amazing. Oh, that is so, so wonderful. Now, I wanted to, we were talking a little bit before uh, we started recording. Um, you will take younger students, but you have a prerequisite. You 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 have a little convo. <laughs> yes. And, and I would like you to share this if you don't mind, because I think this is helpful for other teachers who, you know, might be wary of starting them too young. So how do you determine if they are ready? And this, is, this goes for your piano lessons as well. You teach, what's mm -hmm. the youngest you teach for piano? Right now, we do three. We do three. Wow. Okay. But they, again, so the word I used was they need to be a prodigious three. And, you know, that doesn't mean they, it, it doesn't mean they already need to know how to play, but there's certain factors we're looking for. Can they sit still for more than five minutes, right? right. Because you don't want it to be behavior management for, you know, it's just taking the parents' mm -hmm. money at that point. Mm -hmm. um, are they sh showing an early sign and interest of the music? You know, they're picking out little melodies on the piano by themselves. Um, they're, they're singing harmonies at an early age age, you know, those types of things. So I said, well, send me a video. I want to see. Oh, wow. And I'm like, you know, so it's not like an audition. They don't know that I'm auditioning them. I guess they know now I'm on here. But like, I just want to see. And, you know, parents are always excited to show what their children can do. Mm -hmm. I just did that the other day. I was like, look, look at my, look at my baby. So, you know, they send the video and if it's, you know, like really impressive, you know, just above average, I'm like, wow, let's give it a try. And I always say, let's give it a month and see how it goes. And usually it continues. Sometimes we're like, let's come back in a year. Let's wait and see what five looks like. I started with one little girl. She was two on the piano. And um, it was a lot of um, getting up and down off the bench, of course, because mm. she's two. It was hard. I said, let's bring her back at four. She came back at four and blew everyone out the water. Sometimes wow. you just have to know what the time is. And explaining to the parents, like, look, we're not casting her away. It's just not time yet. Everything has a developmental milestone. And when you address that, students are ready to learn. I think of it the same as potty training. Some people are just not ready. Mm. And you're going to stress yourself out buying all these underwear and sheets when you need <laughs> to just keep that diaper on for a little longer. Um, so we have a few really talented young students. I have one now. She's five. And she is reading, singing and playing, doing it all at the same time. Oh and again, gosh. I've never I've never met her except virtually. And what I've given her, I, I see that they're up for the challenge, stretch them just a little bit, and they just blow our minds. Beautiful. Oh, I love that. Now I I wanted to um I wanted you to, to dive in a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, how you work with your singers. Now I what I've seen 
which I think is beautiful, is you're allowing them to sing unaccompanied and you break things into small pieces. But if you could share with people, you know, kind of like your, your, some of the ways that you work with your little singers. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I noticed that I do teach maybe a little different than others. And I think it's because of my background. I have a background in um, applied behavior analysis. So in psychology, I was training rats to do tricks. You know, like <laughs> when, you, when you see a red light, you're going to go like this and then I'll give you a treat. You know, so I think I find myself using a lot of positive reinforcement mm-hmm. and chunking behaviors into small pieces. Oh, I like that. And so um, I find myself, I think I'm a better teacher than a musician. I think I, I, I really love the art of just teaching things. Um, so one reason I don't spoon feed melody wise is because there's a lapse in the time between, you know, Zoom and mm-hmm. where they are. So if we sing together, it's weird. I do it sometimes and it's just, you know, it's not happening yeah, at the same work. time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to keep my own tempo so they can have an experience, but it it doesn't work really well. I love like I love just going with the flow. Like, what do you want to sing? I mean, and these kids come up with the strangest things. But the thing is, I like to go with what their interest is. Mm. They teach me so much. I've been building a catalog of songs that are good for kids based on them just showing me songs. And when it's a really good one, I jot it down. Oh, nice. Um, there's been songs that have been so crazy. Like, I saw you sleeping in the bed with my man and the kids <gasps> oh, are no. singing it. And I was like, can you bring your mom in the room? I just got to get her permission. Uh, and if the, you know, and if mom says yes, then we keep going. And if mom says, what were you listening to? I present an alternative. But generally, that only happens once in a blue moon. Most of the time, it's kid-appropriate music. It's fun, and so they're motivated. Now, I notice that sometimes it may not be on their level. I don't stop them. I don't say, oh, this song isn't, you're not ready for this song. I actually, um, we work through it and we we'll say, hmm, I'm noticing that this song is, the range is a little high, right? How about... We pause this and do some exercises and see if maybe one day we'll get to it. Now, remember, we're working to get to this song. We've got to put this one on pause. Let's find another one. Um, And so that they can say like, oh, they've realized there are some limitations, but there's a goal of where we're getting to. Um, I I love that. I like, I just like to stretch them. Like sometimes um, people want lessons with me because of this whole concept of runs, you know, you know, mm-hmm. runs, everybody wants to all that. And I love, I'll be running all day, <laughs> but they, they don't realize that you have to learn so many foundational things, so many fundamental things, including just knowing your scales in every key. So your brain can start making some connections with what mm. your vocal cords are doing. And so, you know, we we take what we'll usually do is a lot of exercises, a little music theory and sight reading, and then the rest of the lesson, we sing the song. Depending on their skill level, we're looking at stylistic things, you know, embellishments, ornamentation. But sometimes it's really just the basic things. Can we sing it on key? And like I said, with the blocking and chunking, we will go line by line until they master it. By the time we get to the end of the song... They're singing it in key. Mm -hmm. They've got these little riffs and runs that they've been working on. And they're proud. And so when they finish, I have them record it. Oh, fun. um, 
if it's a teen, I'm like, your challenge is you've got to post this on TikTok. <gasps> and oh. so they're like motivated to do well. Uh, wow. I'm like, this one is Instagram worthy. Let's let's see if we can get there. And then now, right now, we're in um, recital season. So recital mm-hmm. is June 17th. I'm like, this is for recital. So there needs to always, they need a goal. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, keeps them motivated. Sometimes I have practice competitions. Students can log their practice. Um, and uh, I use my music staff. Yeah. Are you familiar yeah. with that? I am. They can log their practice times. And I'm like, oh, I saw somebody, they practiced six hours this week. And they're like, what? Okay. You know, and it keeps them motivated. <laughs> and um, yeah. Oh, I love that. I want to circle back to what you said because I thought it was beautiful. When they bring those songs, and this is one of those repertoire challenge, right? They they always bring these big, I call them big mm. sings, <laughs> you know, and I and I and I love the language that you used is we're just gonna pause this. You're not saying no, you're just saying we're just gonna put this on hold. I think that is so helpful because as soon as you shut them down and you say no, 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 then why would they do anything we ask them to, right? We're taking that away from them. I think that's beautiful. And I love the way you use your language with that. Um, I I would always say to some of my students, you know, this song is what I call a big sing. And if I sang it, I'd, I'd need a big nap after I sang it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I love that. I love that. Um, when you are, when you are um, helping those young singers with that, like that inner inner audition, like hearing those pitches, or when you have a singer that's like maybe struggling with the pitches, what are some of your strategies? Oh, okay. I have a few different ones. The first one that pops into my mind, if they're not hitting the note, is um, I use motions, Mm -hmm. depending on the age, just to kind of pair the sound with a thing. And it could be silly. You know, it could just be like, Ooh, keep it right there. Hold it, hold it, hold it. There you go. Until they finally reach it. And then we get, ooh. Nice. And um, that works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. And you'll be like, okay, let's find something else. So what I'll do is find the key that they're in. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. so say say the note is, but they keep going. Ooh. I'm like, you're here. Let's take it up just a little more. Okay, good, 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 good. Take it up a little more. Hold it right there. That's the note we're looking for. Um, and we talk about sharp and flat, and not in a negative way. I try mm-hmm. not to do a lot of chain-based language. Right, right. I'm like, this note is flat. It just means it's a little lower than it needs to be. So I want you to come on up a little bit higher. And I show them the piano because vocally we tend to reach for higher notes. And I'm always like, look, a piano is horizontal. Horizontal is flat. So we're just going over, over, over. Look, follow that. And boom, here we are. So I try to get them there because... I was a young singer with tons of bad habits and I'm just, you know, really trying to be mindful that I'm not giving that to them and that they're, you know, learning healthy ways. Mm. Um, Sometimes with pitch, what's something else that I do? Um, Sometimes I just take the song down lower because I realize they might just not be reaching yet. Yeah. Take it down until they're confident and then they won't even know. I won't even tell them. And I'll be like, okay, here we go. We're going to do it in this key now. And, you know, I won't even say we're going to do it. I'll just be like, okay. And we're in a different key and they won't even know. Sometimes it's just psychological, mm-hmm. you know, and I love the psychology of singing. <laughs> tense up, you know, there's this pressure. 
we just go into a whole different mindset when we have to sing verses when we're speaking. Mm, mm, so good. Oh, that is so helpful. Now, you have been expanding um, your uh, your business. So you you were saying at the beginning, you, you've just been so busy that you've hired new, new teachers, but you have quite the the staff of of teachers that now work with you can you tell mm-hmm. everybody how your business has grown yes so since i've gone virtual i've been able to add 13 more teachers wow we teach violin viola cello, cello you know all those piano organ we do songwriting and music production oh. drums guitar any instrument. The only thing we're missing right now is a flute teacher, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we kind of go by demand. We haven't asked, we haven't had anyone ask for flute. But yeah, we've been able to do it. And because we're virtual, I have a teacher who lives in Serbia. Wow. I have a teacher from, from Moscow. I have a teacher from South Africa. I have teachers in California. I have teachers on the East Coast where I live. A, a lot more of them are on the East Coast. Wow. And now do you, how do you, uh, this is a, this is a, personal question. How do you manage your team? Like, do you get together with people? How do you, how do you work with your teachers? Yes, it's been a a learning curve. So I try not to do death by a thousand Zoom meetings, (laughs) Uh, you know, Uh, but we do meet on Zoom. But if something can be sent in an email, I do it. I try to really um, hire people who are self-sufficient. So I provide them with the first, um, when they first start with how we're going to do the virtual lessons, you know, get their setup together, um, what things we use. I, I really let them teach how they want, but I always tell them our main core thing is it's student-centered. Mm-hmm. We respect, we value our students, and we really just go with the flow of what they're interested in. You know, just because you're a classical teacher doesn't mean every student's going to learn Ave Maria. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm trying to be open in that way. And um, we've gotten a lot of fun people who are really ready to just go outside the box with what they teach and how they teach. So we have such a fun, fun crew. Um, And we probably meet on Zoom quarterly, but we have a WhatsApp group. That's our main form of communication. Interesting. These teachers, we learn from one another because they're all, most of these teachers are more amazing than me. And I'm always shocked that they even want to work with me. I'm like, why don't you have your own school? Because they don't want to do the business part. They don't want to do the business. You and know, I understand. You know what? It's that is fair. <laughs> I I remember I remember when I uh, moved away from a, a teaching studio that I loved working at and and was running my own studio. And I remember the first week going, "Oh my goodness, I have to invoice people, or I won't get mm-hmm. paid." And it was like. <laughs> I forgot. I I called Mm -hmm. the, I used to call them the lesson desk angels and they would take Mm -hmm. care of everything. So no, Mm -hmm. I, I understand that some teachers just want to teach and, and that's all they want to do. So I also connect with them one-on-one. I try to give them a call or a text and really just want to be a support for them. How's your online lessons? How your sound quality? Are there any materials that you need? Any troubled students? You know, so you having a uh, hitting the glass ceiling with a student. And I'm just there to support them in that way. And then we all try to get together for the recitals. Mm. And you know, they're you know, they're independent contractors, so they they do their own thing. I just right. support them. Now, how do you facilitate your your recitals? How do you how does you how do you do that? So this last winter recital, we had three recitals. One is in person in Baltimore, Maryland. 
And most of the people on the East Coast love to travel to that one. We, we, we make it big and it's a lot of fun. Wow. And then I held two on Zoom, one at like noon and one at like three. And I try to kind of make it variable so you have the different ages in all of them. And um, so the ones on Zoom, they're pre-recorded but presented live. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, the students will sing over a track. So... Previous years, I was doing all the editing, going on Logic, putting the sound over the tracks. This year, I think I'm going to hire some someone because there's so <laughs> many more students. And in yeah. um, our in our in person recital, we're going to have drums, guitar, singing, piano, and so I hire a piano accompaniment accompanist, and um, they'll play for the vocal students unless they want to sing to a track, and. Um, we have all the instruments on the stage. It's like a big band. It looks like a band's about to come up and the students do their thing. And it's been so fun. It's like oh. a family reunion. It's like, I keep seeing you on Zoom, but now I see you in person. There's <laughs> lots of, you know, picture taking, lots of snacks. And um, I support the families. So if a family has a business, I allow them to do their vending at the event. And, oh, brilliant. You know, we highlight those different things and it's, it's always a good time oh you're really you're really creating a sense of community even with an online mm-hmm. business it's it's not yes. difficult to do that that is fabulous now uh the one other thing i want you to share with everybody and um from one resource creator to another i'm so excited you have produced a piano book and it just mm-hmm. came out last year so i want to know these are the questions people ask me. Uh, what motivated you to create this book? Well, first of all, tell everybody a little bit about the book, and then let's go into what motivated you to put this together. Okay, so the book is called My Journey, My Music, Beginner Piano Lessons for Kids. Um, the title, it it existed way before I knew I was going to create a book. It was the theme for one of our recitals, My Journey, oh. My Music. And um, I had a bunch of different kids say it. We made a video. And and, and it was cool. We had T-shirts. So all the kids got T-shirts that said, my journey, my music. And, and it was just to say, like, I'm going to do it my way. And I'm, I want to take ownership of my music. It's not going to just be this in-the-box kind of thing. We're just going to have fun with it. Um, and I think kids learn best when they're having fun. And oh, so absolutely. that's where I got the the statement from. But I knew I wanted to make a book. Um, I think I started making the book in 2018 and maybe 2019. And I would just do like a page a day or an idea, 15 minutes. I just said, I want to write it down. And the idea was that I wanted to highlight different African-American figures, Mm. different. And it didn't have to be historical. It could be present day. Um, And the reason, the main reason was because in most piano books, when you look, there's no one that looks like my kids, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it is, it's just kind of like, and you have a hand and it's like, here, put your hand here. And it, it was like, you you never know how small a detail like that conveys a big message. Yeah. And you start to think, maybe this isn't for me, or maybe this book is corny. And we're like missing, you know, this beautiful information of music theory. And um, I feel like there was just not a lot of representation in music education mm-hmm. materials. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I um, I actually got a photographer. So in our book, 
there's lots of pictures of my children in there and their hands. And mm-hmm. um, and then every time a person came to mind, I would jot it down and write a brief little bio. Um, so the it ranges from like Beyonce and mm-hmm. LeBron James, Amanda Gorman to like, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois and Frederick wow. Douglass. Um, it just ranges. And um, I even have my very first piano teacher in there. <gasps> oh, who, how lovely. Yeah. And he um, he was so special to me because he saw a gift in me with voice that I didn't know. He taught me piano. Um, but he would have me directing choirs. I would I had to be like 14, wow. directing adult choirs. I'm like, why are you having me do this? And he, he would show me the song. He would like play the song, teach him the parts because he couldn't sing. So he would take me with him. And I would teach the parts. So he's in there and he's an amazing, and you know, most of his students have gone on to get Emmys, Tonys, uh, wow. Grammys. He's he's fabulous. And he has his own music school. And so he really inspired me. So I put him in there as well. That's amazing. Oh, it, that, uh, that just, I love, I love that you've, you've taken this and, and you've, uh, you've grown it into like a beautiful resource. Um, there, if anybody's listening, there's not enough resources and we need more resources and you need to put your magic into those resources. Where can people find your books, your piano books? So you can find it apparently on walmart.com, but um, I just discovered that a couple of days ago. I'm really excited about that. But it's on Amazon and that's the the most safe and sure way to find it. Um, and just you just put My Journey, My Music, Melissa Chin, and it will come up. Um, another thing I wanted to add about the book mm. is um, they're all original songs. They're all songs oh, that I wrote. I love it. And so there's stories about my kids, you know, like about a messy room or falling (laughs) and, you know, and their dad picking them up when they fall or like mom's talking too much. I'm ready to go. You know, like they're really silly songs. And I can talk all day. Oh, that's brilliant. It's a legacy piece for them. And, And, you know, I think they're just realizing they're in the book. My son, he's like, we're famous. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and so they're all original pieces. Um, I really tr- start from the very beginning. Any mm-hmm. student who's never picked up a piano book ever, we start from the finger numbers all the way to reading both on the treble and the bass clef. And I, I go at the pace that I found was most helpful when I was teaching mm. piano. So you probably did the same thing we did. You tested your your songs with all of your students, Yes. Yes. And you inspired me too, because um, I've been starting to make my own vocal exercises yes. and writing my, my own silly songs. So maybe, maybe that's coming up next. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we could work on a silly song together because I too am a mom that likes to talk way too much. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I think we got a little theme going there. I think there. we got a theme going there. Oh, Melissa, I cannot thank you enough. I, I, like I said at the very beginning, you are doing beautiful work uh, online, holding space for students of all ages, but in- including very little, very young students. And I just, I just wanted to to thank you and I celebrate you and everything that you do. I know that your story is going to bring a lot of confidence. 
I'm going to put links to your website uh, for teachers who uh, are looking at online uh, studios and want more information. And I'm also going to put a link to your wonderful new book. I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and your passion and everything that you're doing. I just, it's just so refreshing to watch you teach. And um, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been a ball, a pleasure talking with you. A very special thank you to Melissa for that fabulous conversation. As always, I'm going to put links to Melissa's information so you can find and follow her, melissatmusic.com. And I'm going to put a link directly to her piano book, My Journey, My Music, Beginner Piano Lessons for Kids. Please check that out. As always, my friend and colleague, I am wishing you inspiration Inspired teaching. Don't forget to sign up to the VIP teacher newsletter, fullvoicemusic.com, and happy singing.